Okay, let's try this now that we're in mono. Okay, mono coming at you in both ears at the same time at the exact same level. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Toby, roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Rules is Written, the D&D podcast where we learn the rules just before teaching them yeah. to you. <laughs> we definitely didn't study just before. All right, so this time we're going to go through combat. We're diving deep into combat. It's time. It's time. We should probably go over the skeleton of combat, should we say? What does combat look like? What is combat? In the player's handbook, you have a few options for what you can do uh-huh. on your turn. The one that comes to mind most evidently is your action. Yeah. And your action is where you have all the beefy stuff. And we'll go into that deeper this episode. Cool, like cool. attacking and stuff. So this is going to be an action episode. It's going to be an action kind of episode. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the general orders of a turn. First of all, rolling initiative. I think a lot of people have heard of rolling initiative long before they've ever played D&D. It's kind of a bit of a catchphrase of the game. What is rolling initiative? So when you roll a d20, that determines your position in the turn order. So everybody, it's a turn-based game. Everybody Mm -hmm. gets their own turn. When you roll your d20 and you get like a 15, you add your modifiers, which is normally your dex. It's normally just your dex. Normally it's just your dex, unless you have any special feats or abilities. Exactly. Check your feats and abilities. Always check your feats and abilities. But yeah, normally it's just your dex. So if I have like a dex of 14 and I get a plus two. I was thinking of 14 as well. Wow, we've mind melded. (gasps) We're so into (laughs) (laughs) We've become one. (laughs) Assimilate. Already been doing this podcast too long. <laughs> yeah, comment with what number you guys were thinking. <laughs> That's a plus two to your decks. So you roll a 15 plus two, 17 is your decks. Now everyone else will also roll initiative check, including all the monsters that the DM is controlling. Yeah, monsters get turns too. They do. We're all for equal rights. Yes, <laughs> monster rights. And that's basically the turn order. Highest first, lowest yeah. last. So that's initiative. Now when you take your turn, there's a few major things you can do. The biggest two are moving. Moving. And your action. Action. Which is normally attack. But we're gonna talk all about actions today. The other things you can do are things like reactions, bonus actions, you can Interact fiddle with some stuff. with objects. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll get into all of those in their own little episodes. But today is the action episode. Today's the action episode. Baby. So what actions can we take? The main beefy one is attack. Attack. I think we're going to have a whole episode. We're going to have a whole episode on attack. (laughs) So we're not going to dive too deep. It's basically hitting something with your sword, shooting something with your bow. Yep. Everything that you can imagine is like, I want to do damage to this guy. Yeah, it's an attack. Punch him in the face. That's a big chunk of your action. Mm -hmm. It is your action. It's your whole action. So what's the next one? We'll we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, put a little pin in that. (laughs) Go into all the other ones. The other things that you can do in your actions are cast a spell. Which is basically Which attack. is also going to have an <laughs> attack with flavor. Yeah, exactly. Wizard attack. Yeah. It's essentially that. So yeah, most people are going to spend their turns casting a spell or attacking. Yeah, and that one's a little caveat-y mm-hmm. because casting a spell most often is an action. Yeah. But sometimes not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But also no. (laughs) So we are going to leave those for their own episodes, as we've said a million times. Let's jump on to the other things you can do. Other things you can do include dash. Dash. What is dash? 
Dash is when you gain extra movement. All right. Normally, people will move 30 feet, yeah, which is six squares if you're using a grid. For Square our grid, normally... grid users out there, <laughs> showing some A love grid is normally five feet. Tabletop so. friends. A dash, you basically move double. Yeah. You don't do an attack, but you get to move double. Yeah. You just use your, your extra running ability. Yeah. If you just really need to get away from someone, there's really not too much to say other than that. It's it might be kind of sad, though. Moving extra, it's just like really, isn't it? You're, just, you're, you're moving extra. <laughs> moving extra. All right, disengage. Okay, so you can also disengage, and that's when you're currently in combat with somebody. You're right next you're, to them. Yeah, when you're within five feet, so melee combat. You're in that range. Mm -hmm. And if you want to leave that range, yeah. that provokes an opportunity attack. So they basically get a free attack. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that more in the attack episode. Yeah. But if you want to prevent that, if you don't want to have them hit you when you leave, you mm -hmm. disengage with them. So you're basically giving up your attack to make sure they can't attack you. Yeah, exactly. By getting away. Yeah, it makes sense. And then there's dodge. Dodge? Yeah, dodge is kind of interesting because I never really think about it as a thing that I can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's dodge? Let's think about it. Yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> dodge is when you focus entirely on not getting hit. So for the rest of the turn, until your next turn, mm -hmm. all attacks against you have disadvantage. Ah, okay. When would you use that? Um, what do you think? If there's like a situation where maybe there's just a ton of dudes and you just want to get out of there. Yeah, that's a good one. If you're if you're really down in the action economy, if there's ten monsters against one person, giving them all disadvantage on your their attacks on you. Yeah, or maybe you also know that something bad is about to happen as well. Like maybe yeah, there's something true. that like is some I don't know recurring ambient effect that hurts everybody. They're like gonna maybe swing a... up a power move. Yeah, they're charging their lasers. <laughs> <laughs> And one more thing that dodge does is mm -hmm. that it allows you to have advantage on any dexterity saving throws. That's that pretty useful. Yeah. A lot of things make dragon breath. That's all dex saving throws. Yeah. Pretty much those charged lasers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so help. Help is another thing that you can do. Help you also do out of combat as well. Yeah, and mechanically. That is something that you kind of have to bat your eyes really pretty when you want your DM to let you do it. <laughs> because yes. it depends. So like help, at least in combat, help is relatively straightforward if you're next to somebody. If you're attacking the same enemy, like I guess the imaginary theater of the mind is that you're distracting this enemy, you're getting in the way of him, you're yeah. kind of making him easier as a target yeah. against your friend who can then have advantage ah. Absolutely smash face. So it's a good kind of thing if there's say a wizard who's completely out of spell slots and you know you need a few more hits to take down this guy. Yeah. They haven't got much else to do. Doing an attack is only gonna do one D4 with your dagger plus your zero strength. Yeah. Or with zero decks, but your barbarian's got his like triple attack dickery going. Yeah, on. exactly. You're a necromancer and you expect all until poison damage and then you're starting to realize <laughs> and then you that reach level five. Everything and... is immune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a way of like really hedging your bets into one super attack that your friend's doing. Should we talk about out of combat help? I think it's worth touching on. So out of combat, you can use this for any other kinds of ability checks. That is up to the discretion of your DM. This <laughs> is exceedingly spammable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can imagine, because it's like, I want to do a thing, 
but I always want to do with advantage, friend. Yeah. <laughs> I want a lockpick, yeah? Well, I want to say encouraging words while he does it. Yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah, it's, it's very, very spammable. I, I tend to let it slide if there's a good reason, if someone can give me a good reason. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. A good one is if, say, you're trying to pull someone up by a rope and there's like five of you up there, yeah, pull with advantage. Mm -hmm. You're all helping. But lockpicking, nah, what are you going to do? You're just going to get in the way. <laughs> a little <laughs> left, mate. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, that's a shame. You should try again. Mate, I would kill someone. It was backseat lockpicking. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, this is how you backseat drive with advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's help. Help that's out help. of combat is spammable and should be monitored to make sure that it isn't too overpowered. I'm looking at your book, JT. I see hide. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> I'm the keeper of the book. Oh. <laughs> you should know like, everything. You're the DM. That's why I've got the dungeon master's guide. <laughs> I have the you better special book. books. So, All right. What's hide? Hide is something that mostly your rogues will be doing, probably. I don't know. Maybe not. I guess like your barbarian wants to also like. You can roleplay hide. Sure. If you just want to put on like a few bushes on your head, <laughs> if you're big enough. When you hide, you make a stealth check, mm -hmm. and depending on whatever you have to roll against, like that's up to like the situation. Normally perception, passive perception. Yeah, like so whatever you're hiding from will be different in every circumstance, depending on yeah. how hard it will be to hide. Yeah, so the number you're trying to beat will be up to what you're hiding from. Yeah. Okay. And then if you are successful, then you are hidden. I mean, kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> you get some benefits. What's the extra benefits of being hidden? That will be something we might have to discuss in a future episode. Ah. So, stay subscribed. <laughs> yeah, make sure you click that bell or whatever. Whatever you're looking at right now. Bell us on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah, the stay tuned. Attacking. It's in there. So, All the right. next one. Ready. Mm-hmm. This is one that I'm certain you have not used. <laughs> you bad, bad listeners out there. <laughs> not utilizing your full potential. Yeah, ready is, uh, we do it kind of differently though. We'll talk about how we do it afterwards. Yeah. Because we kind of house rule this. Yeah, we can give you like our house rules and you can see what you kind of But what's, what's the uh, rules as written? So as the rules are written. <laughs> You, when you ready, you forego your action. Mm -hmm. And in the rules, you state what your trigger is going to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna say I am not going to attack on my action, but if that guy goes over and tries to pick up that bomb. Oh, I'm gonna smack him. Then I'm gonna get him. <laughs> so then it's, uh, you use your reaction. So, so you use your reaction basically as your action. As your action. But you have to state that trigger. Yeah. That's the big thing. That's in the rules as written. You state your trigger, like as soon as this guy does that thing that I don't like, yeah. then I'm going to shoot him with a magic. The way I've seen this used most is waiting around the corner of a door. Uh, like, yeah. When I see his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to smack him. I'm get him. Yeah. Oh, that, that's how I've seen it used probably most often or something similar. Like when X person comes into view, I do Y. And it might make it more favorable. Like in the door example, maybe you get advantage because he didn't expect you. Yeah, right? you could be surprised. That's also a little rule coming up later. Oh, we got all <laughs> kinds of tantalizing treats for you. That's the problem with combat. It's like one wall of knowledge that it's hard to start with. Yeah, I think that's why it's good to start with the actions because that's like... Yeah, the... that's why we chose actions. Yeah, and in addition on this guy, if you are casting a spell, mm -hmm. then if you want to hold that spell, 
it requires concentration until you use it. Oh. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if you take damage, you're going to have to roll your... Exactly. That will come up to consti constitution? Concentration <laughs> yeah. in the in the magic episode. That's yeah. a whole thing. But that is definitely worth remembering. The house rules that we play, though, mm -hmm. are a little bit different. So, shall I go for them? Yeah, go As for DM. So the way that we do it is people roll initiative and I roll the monster's initiative individually. And then in between the monster's initiatives, there'll be blocks of players. So let's say there's player A, B, C, and D, and you have two monsters, monster Alpha and monster Omega. <laughs> monster, monster one and two. <laughs> that would have been way easier, but we're here now. So initiative rolls and it's monster Alpha, player A and B, monster Omega, player C and D. Yeah. Now the way we do it is player A and B, because they're next to each other and they're friendly, they can switch their turns. They can go in whatever order they want. And the same rule works for monsters that are all in the same block. So you don't really ready actions as much. It doesn't really come up because you can just hold your action off. Even if your initiative is higher, you can kind of just hold your action, wait for someone else to do something, then take your full action. That's how we house rule it. Yeah, you can try that out. I mean, it works okay for us because it allows for better communication. Yeah, that's us. what I really like you can really you're not a slave to the turn order so much like you can really plan out some more intricate moves it lets you think about combinations like your friends turns as yeah, well yeah definitely a that's bit. a great thing as well yeah it doesn't keep you so centralized that's how we do it is there anything else to add not for ready okay that's everything what's the next one uh next is search and search is also pretty straightforward if you want to look for something in combat i mean i guess you're pushed into this terrible situation <laughs> so you could yeah you could do it if say a monster drops the MacGuffin that you're searching for yeah this is his one weakness grass. it's his beating heart and it <laughs> fell into this like barrel of fish <laughs> search 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 <laughs> don't get the gun <laughs> but yeah um, so there is there are some times when you would use search what are the rules for search so you use your you use your action and now you have to make either a perception check or an investigation check depending on what your DM rolls. Okay. You'll probably use a perception check if you don't know where it's gone already. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, we've we've gone over the skills in the previous episode. Mm. But for those of you who haven't watched our previous episodes and are just joining on to us, shame on you, first of all. <laughs> but also all. please don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like a perception check would be something yeah, I guess something like that. You you know that they like dropped something mm -hmm. round the corner. Like they're running away from you, they go down a street alley and then they don't have the MacGuffin anymore. And it's like, oh you've stashed it somewhere. Like have they thrown it somewhere, have a quick perception check mm -hmm. see if you can see it like like it's in view you just need to realize it's there so yeah much. whereas investigation would be like like a search someone has hidden it or it's fallen into the long grass like you've really got to dig deep the barrel of fish yeah exactly yeah a perfect analogy <laughs> and very relatable <laughs> <laughs> everyone's been there yeah I, so search is pretty intuitive i think yeah. The last thing that sparked a little bit of intrigue and debate among us, actually, yes. for different reasons that we'll talk about, is use an object. So use an object as an action is big deal type of thing. I mean, like a lot of objects you're familiar with are like very normal to use, like a potion 
or whatever. Yeah. And often they'll tell you you have to use your action in order to drink this potion, or if you want to, you know, interact with something in a more meaningful way, that will often be a an action. So there's a kind of a few things, normally items that use the use an object. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of like the name of this action. Mm -hmm. It's not so much a description of what you're doing. I think that's kind of a, a key thing to have in your head. Things like uh, acid, ball bearings, caltrops, the hunting trap, they will say as an action. Yeah. And in the rules, that refers to the use an object action. Yeah, so I'm placing my trap. That's the use my action thing. Yeah, that's how the rules literally work. Uh -huh. They That's how they relate to each other. But in practice, it's really self-explanatory. Yeah. Where it gets fuzzier is the things that don't necessarily take your whole action. And they also might sometimes be intuitive, sometimes not. Mm. Things like, I want to draw my sword. Yeah. Uh, I want to open up a door. Yep. So these things you can combine with your movement or your action. So if you're attacking, drawing a sword, you can combine with just your normal action. It's sort of like a free action. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll dive deeper into that. We've got a little bonus episode coming out for you guys. We'll dive a bit deeper into that Yeah. in that one. So that's it for the player's handbook, right? That's it for the player's handbook. Do you have anything for us in the DMG? Oh, now we're on my turf. <laughs> All right, secrets, <laughs> secrets demystified. So... Action options. So the first thing I have here is climbing onto a bigger creature. Now the Dungeon Master's Guide doesn't exactly say the sizes and how they relate to each other, but it kind of suggests that it has to be two sizes bigger for you to climb onto this creature using these rules. So you're kind of just basically treating them as terrain. Uh, the smaller creature uses its action to make an athletics or an acrobatics check, and it's contested by the target's acrobatics. So, by their acrobatics? Yeah. Oh, weird. I know. I thought that was kind of weird as well. But yeah, they roll off against each other. If the smaller creature wins, it moves into the creature's space. Literally rules as written. Yeah, the tabletop. Yeah, the tabletop rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're basically clinging onto the side of it. Now, the smaller creature can move around while in the larger creature space. It treats it as difficult terrain. These are really some Shadow of the Colossus type rules. Yeah, it's it. there's some cool encounters to be had here, I think. <laughs> it also says that you can get advantage when you're um, climbing onto a bigger creature, but it also depends where you are on the creature. So there's a lot of leeway for kind of the theater of the mind. So that's up to the DM what kinds of things would give you advantage. Yeah, so if you're climbing onto a giant and you jump onto its feet, you're not getting advantage on attacking its feet, maybe. But if you you climb your way up to its back and you're stabbing it in the neck, then you're getting advantage on that. Yeah, it must be quite easy to hit it from there. Yeah, so the larger creature can try and knock it off by scraping against a wall, grabbing it, throwing it, and they make an athletics check contested by the smaller creature's athletics or acrobatics, and the smaller creature chooses which one. Okay, so, yeah, similar rules to grappling, which we can also get into later. Yeah, it is basically grappling for vastly different sized creatures. Yeah. One-way grappling. One-way grappling. <laughs> yeah. The next one I have is disarm. Uh, this is again just another check against a check. It's an athletics check or an acrobatics check contested against the attack roll. So someone so, attacks you and says, I'm going to try and disarm you. You resist that by using an athletics or acrobatics. Okay, so 
the monster is using their athletics or acrobatics. You're using your attack roll. Yeah. And whichever one is higher wins. Yep. Um, it causes no damage. The attacker, though, has disadvantage on the attack roll if it's holding the item with two or more hands. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, and the target has advantage on its ability check if it's larger than the attacking creature or disadvantage if it's smaller. So if you're trying to literally steal candy from a baby, you will have advantage on it. <laughs> that's, these are important things to know. Yeah, so that that's pretty simple. If you want to disarm them, get an item out of their hand, you use your attack roll against one of their skill checks, either athletics or acrobatics. Okay, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, another one which was a little weird as well is Mark. Marking, when you make a melee attack, you can also mark the target. And it doesn't say it has to be successful. So just if you make a melee attack, you can mark the target and you get advantage on all opportunity attacks against the mark target. It does say they have to point at them and go, this fucking guy. <laughs> this guy's right here. <laughs> <laughs> and that opportunity attack doesn't expend your reaction. Yeah, and again, we'll go into opportunity attacks <laughs> yeah. later because that probably doesn't mean a ton to you right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But it's a thing, it's a bit weird. It helps you make opportunity attacks yeah. easier. Pretty much. But you can only make one opportunity attack. Yeah. That's kind of the caveat. Because you only have one reaction. But this says it doesn't use your reaction. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Exactly. This whole mark thing is kind of weird. It yeah. doesn't It doesn't kind of gel with me quite right. So the big caveat is it doesn't use your reaction. That's the advantage. The big caveat is you can only do one opportunity attack. So if you have three creatures around you and they all try and run away, you can only opportunity attack against one of them. But how often does that happen? Okay. So if I attack a guy... Mm -hmm. And then I go this fucking guy. Yep. He is marked. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he tries to leave and it provokes my opportunity attack. And then I, you know, I get the fucking guy. Yeah. Can I still use my reaction if I have a reaction for something? Yeah. It doesn't say that you can't. Okay. So that's how you get that fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity attack doesn't expend the attacker's reaction. Rules is written. Yeah. I am learning of this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mark is a bit of a weird one. What do you got next for me, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next three, you can kind of group together in the old brain box of yours. They're basically moving through a creature. Okay, and we'll have another episode on movement. Yeah, so... this is the episode of episodes. <laughs> yeah, we're just focusing on actions here, <laughs> but if we have to go into this territory... <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is Overrun, which is when you try and move through a hostile creature's space, you can basically try and force your way through. As an action or a bonus action, the mover makes an athletics check contested by the hostile creature's athletics check. So you basically take an athletics check against each other. If you win, you push your way through. So I can imagine this for both the... I feel like this is more relevant for the tabletop players out there. We love it. Yeah, them. definitely. Um, because, I mean, if you're playing with the square boards and stuff, like, you probably come into that, like, very often. Yeah. But in the theater of the mind, I feel like this might be just more of a... It might be an interesting thing if, they're if blocking somebody's a blocking doorway? something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we got to get to that important thing, and there's the guy in the way. Like, what do you do? You don't have to kill him. You could just... Just, just get out of here, you get. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't do damage or anything if you fail. It's just you're attempting yeah, you a skill just, check. You just don't get and through. And you either succeed you or fail. You get um, advantage if you're larger. Disadvantage if you're smaller, those are the extras. But other than that, it's pretty simple. The next two, first one is shove aside. So there's the shove attack, 
which we'll get to in the attack part. Yeah, we might even just lump that all with grappling <laughs> as well, because it's a whole yeah. thing. You try and force your target to the side rather than away. So if you want to move through them, instead of trying to push them back, obviously then you still have to move through them. Mm -hmm. You can just shove them to one side. The big disadvantage is that it gives you disadvantage on that check. It's an athletics check. If it's successful, they are mo moved five feet or one square to a different space within reach. So, okay, the only time that I feel like this makes a difference is like, it sounds like I would always want to just move through them unless we're fighting on an anime cliff and he's <laughs> five feet away from the edge. Yeah, or you could shove them into something though. Oh yeah, if instead of shoving them back, you could shove them into. It's like, just five the feet, lava though, jump. you know. So it's like, yeah, if if you are Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> and Anakin is there next to you, <laughs> you can yeet that fucker into the lava. Yeah, just remember up. who has the higher ground. <laughs> exactly, and the next one is tumble, which is basically ducking and weaving. You're taking acrobatics check, contested by the acrobatics check. Wait, when do you when do you do this? What is the theater of the mind? If you're a gnome trying to dive through their legs to get to the other side, that could be, I think that's a pretty easy one. Is that not like just move through? What's the difference? I think a lot of this is really up to the flavor. Okay. How do you feel your character would be? And also kind of, what are you good at? If you're gonna do better in athletics check than an acrobatics check, you'll use overrun. But if you think that your acrobatics check is way higher than your athletics, then you wanna tumble. Okay, so it's like, I feel like I can take this guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna overrun him. Or I'm a small boy and I just wanna duck through his little legs. Exactly. And I don't wanna get anywhere near that. So if you're taking the tumble action, the real biggest difference is that there's no advantage or disadvantage for being smaller or bigger. It's just a flat acrobatics check against each other. Okay, let me try to put this into like theatrical <laughs> terms because I could be a gnome and I can slide under his legs and that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. I could also be a Goliath and do like a sick flip <laughs> yeah. over him. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just peer away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are basically the same thing. It's just athletics check against athletics or acrobatics against Yeah, acrobatics. so you're dealing in gray areas with like what, what kind of flavor, what kind of situation. Yeah, you put you your own spin on that. There are, no, there are no rules as friends. Some things that just aren't Blasphemy. rules. <laughs> We're getting a new co-host. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, that's all the actions I've got in my DMG. I think that's it. Oh, I do have one more thing for you, Tommy. Oh? Oh, yeah. Oh? I was waiting until the end to bring this out. Tell me more. <laughs> Unzip <Unzipped> chance. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Improvising an action. Ah. Yeah, this is actually something that does come up quite often because mm -hmm. especially if you're playing with players who are relatively new to the game, one of the best parts about playing with people who don't play D&D for a living, like fucking <laughs> us, <laughs> is people have very weird things that they want to do. Yes, it's fantastic. New players are great. Always so, welcome new players. You will find amazing ideas come out of their adorable brains. <laughs> and it all fits under this. It's all canon. It all works as long as you can fucking work it into the... So yeah, the golden rule, and it's one that I try and repeat kind of often at the table, is if you can convince me of it, then sure. And that goes for like everything, not just your actions in combat. Yeah, if Toby's got a little booth that says, uh, prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much exactly. <laughs> Convince, what is it? What 
what is the the meme? Change my mind. Change my mind. <laughs> you yeah. can't do that. Change my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you can convince me of it. If you can convince me that it's reasonably possible, and it's up to the DM to kind of filter those ideas. Yeah. But you can end up with some fantastic things happening. Yeah. And for the DMs out there, I think it's like if you can try to make it work, there's a lot of rewards in this area. Oh, totally. Like if you can try it, even if it sounds totally outrageous, just kind of make a, you know, what is the what is the skill check that they have to make for this kind of thing? What's the kind of DC? You can kind of give them a feel. You don't have to tell them it's a DC 25 skill check, but you might say like, that this ledge is, is super high. <laughs> <laughs> You are so small! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things that is kind of hard to quantify. Yeah. If you get what I mean. Every DM's gonna be different and every table's gonna be different. You obviously don't wanna like sacrifice a table that is kind of taking it seriously to the whims of one chaotic player playing yeah. like chaotic stupid. Yeah, you guys got a vibe. Everyone's got to be vibing. Yeah, so uh, within the realms ABB. of your table, as DM, you've got to kind of filter those ideas, but never just shut everything down. Always give every idea, no matter how stupid, at yeah. least at least a second of thought before you say nah, fuck yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> even if it sounds like completely <laughs> audacious, try just asking them about what are they trying to do, how are they trying to do it, Describe why are they trying to do your it. Actions. Yeah. yeah. Describe the whole thing. Don't just say, I want to do that. No. Be like, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Why do you want to do it? Yeah. I think why is also quite an important reason. Yeah. Because then it's often overlooked. You might kind of finagle it into something that actually is quite reasonable. I think that's it for our actions episode. That is the actions, baby. Ooh. Yeah. We'll so go into all of the nittier, grittier details in our future episodes. Yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna be a long one. Yeah. Combat is gonna be a chunk. Yeah. Listen to all of them in one go, guys. It'll keep it all in your brain. And also, uh, <laughs> binge them. Yeah. And then watch binge them again. <laughs> Just to, yeah. Just keep our stats going, you know? Keep, keep re-watching them. Make sure it's, keep it all in your mind. <laughs> Learn by repetition. Yes. And only repeat us and no other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So that is the end of this episode, guys. All right, it's been fun. You guys are great listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in the next one. Take care. Bye. See ya.